This is the first of four episodes in a series on attachment. Attachment is about the emotional bond that exists between two people, usually in a family or marriage context. Understanding your own attachment style and that of your spouses can help you to figure out why you do the things you do during conflict or even everyday married life. And if necessary, what you might do differently in order to secure and strengthen the bond between you. Attachment is fundamental to marriage. So stay with us through this episode and the next three if you really want to learn about what is probably the most significant undercurrent in marriage. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have a fascinating episode for you this week. This is episode number 251, and today we're going to be talking about anxious attachment and what that looks like in marriage, in parenting, and even in your relationship towards God. This is episode number 251, and today we're going to be talking about anxious attachment and what that looks like in marriage. Hey there, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed how prayer impacts marriage. That is worth going back and checking out. And again, make sure you hit that subscribe button in your podcast player so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. Just a heads up, we will be taking vacation time in the month of October, so our shows are only publishing every second week for a few episodes. And we'll be back to our regular programming at the end of November. Mm-hmm. So again, Verlin, let's talk about a Christian Marriage Cruise quickly. Uh, full details are available at christianmarriagecruise.com. Mm-hmm. And can you tell us about the port of Tortola? Mm-hmm. Tortola is in the British Virgin Islands. Yes. And it's actually one of the most scenic islands in the Caribbean, actually. And you can... If you want to like take a hike up into the national park there, you can get some panoramic views of the island. Lots of cultural, historic history, yep. <laughs> for lack of a better word. Places. Yeah, amazing foods, curries, spicy soups, sumptuous, sumptuous shellfish dishes. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a tongue twister. Yeah. And then what I think is really cool about this is the baths. You can take, like we dock in Tortola, but you can take a... a bath. What? A bath. No. Well, you could. Uh, well, yeah, sure. But you can take a ferry to the bath. Oh, what are the baths? And it's like these rock formations that have been dumped there by a volcano and they... It's just really cool. Like, you should, you need to go and Google it and look it up. Sounds like something you'll... Nothing else you'll ever see kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, cool. exactly. So that's really cool. So I'm going to see that just so everybody knows in case they want to join us. Awesome. Yes. But- and... No, I was just going to say that yes. you are the travel coordinator for the cruise. So if you have any questions about the cruise, you'd like yeah. to join us, we'd welcome you aboard the ship. Yeah. Once again, the marriage cruise, it's for couples that are doing okay in their marriage or better. It's not for highly distressed couples. We'd like to do some marriage counseling with you first. Yeah. Uh, but uh, definitely just, you know, for brushing up communication skills, uh, even planning your future together, all that kind of good stuff. We tackle a lot of really neat topics. Yeah. Um, so even couples that have been married a long time always come away like very much refreshed, feeling like they learned some stuff, and uh, it's, it's a really good time. Yeah. So and that's even February. Newly married yeah. couples, like it's not like you have yep. to be married a long time to come. On this. Had some newlyweds too. 
Mm-hmm. So that's February 15, 2020, that that departs again. The full details at christianmarriagecruise.com. That's our website, our other website. So do check it out. And if you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice. And most of all, we offer hope. So as we said, we are starting a little series here on attachment. So today is anxious attachment. Yes. And these episodes, I think, are going to be a little bit longer because they're such huge... Well, the issues are at the core of every marriage. And it's such a dry, like, attachment. It's such a dry word. But this is really fascinating stuff. So I think think our audience will find it interesting, too. Okay. So let's start with, like, just an introduction to attachment in general. Okay. So you'll sometimes hear about attachment theory, which is, this is the idea of how we describe the love bond between couples. And, And the basic idea is that how you were loved as an infant becomes critical to how you relate to significant others in your life as an adult. Mm-hmm. So when you're a baby, your primary caregiver, usually a parent, will have a unique way of relating to you. And that caregiver we refer to as an attachment figure. It's someone that you form a bond with. Okay. Uh, when you get married, your spouse becomes your new key, kind of most important attachment figure, or that should happen. Uh-huh. Right? When you have kids, you become an important attachment figure to them. Uh-huh. They attach to you. But we start with our own primary caregiver, usually our mom quite often. And the essential components of of how that person relates to us really centers on this one fundamental question. And that is, was my attachment figure nearby and accessible and attentive to me? Okay. If the answer is yes, the child will grow up feeling loved and secure and confident. And behaviorally, this child is likely to explore his or her environment more freely. They play with others. They're going to be more sociable, that kind of thing. Okay. So right away, even in childhood, it translates into what we would describe as more functional or healthy behaviors. Okay. And this attachment system in childhood, it gives rise to the emotional bond that develops between adult romantic partners. Okay. So a couple of researchers, Howard and Shaver in 1987, they were the first researchers to take the original scientist, whose name was Bulby, John Bulby, to take his studies of attachment and explore them in the context of marriage. Mm. And there's parallels. So infant to caregiver and adult romantic relationships share these following features. So in both cases, the, the people in them feel safe when the other is nearby and responsive, the significant other, if I can yeah. use that for a parent as well. For okay. Both engage in close, intimate bodily contact. Not sexual mm, in, yeah, the, in yeah. the baby sense, but it is still close and intimate. Both feel insecure when the other is inaccessible. Like when I can't mm-hmm. get to you, if you're cutting me off or you've disappeared or whatever, yeah. it's normal to feel insecure. That's, okay. that's right, right? Both share discoveries with one another. Hey, mommy, look what I did. Or hey, babe, look what I figured out. Mm, Okay. Both study one another's facial features carefully. Mm. Right? Yeah. So so there's these parallel bonds, right? And typically, once the attachment style is is established in childhood by how you were parented, that attachment style remains with you throughout your adulthood. Okay? Okay. Now, now when we look at attachment and this bond that exists, the two terms that we're going to be using frequently are the words avoidance and anxiety or being anxiously attached, or avoidantly attached. Avoidance is about whether I'm comfortable with closeness to a significant other, or uncomfortable with closeness. So you avoid it if you're uncomfortable. Yes. Is that what that means? Okay. Do I seek connection? Do I seek to be seen? Or do I shy away from it or really run from it? That's the avoidance side of things. Okay. We'll talk about that in our next episode. Anxiety, or the anxious attachment, is about my trust in the security of our connection. Do I feel at peace that my significant other is available and responsive and committed? Or am I needing to reassure myself of this, maybe even constantly or sometimes? Mm. 
Mm, Okay. About your relationship. You're anxious about it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Each person has an attachment style to their spouse. So I might have an attachment style towards you and you might have one towards me. So it's not like our style is A, B, C, or D. Mm. So our styles don't have to match. No, I can have one and you might have another towards me. Okay. Based on, because it's based on how we're parented. Yeah. Right. At the start, as you go through life, your your attachment style can shift based on what you're experiencing. Okay. okay. So so, anyways, back to this thought. So mine to you might be one style. Yours to me might be another style. Okay. So if I'm anxious about my connection to you, you may still be securely attached to me, which means okay. that the problem is not that you're unavailable or unreliable, but rather that I'm not able to rest in and trust that you are available. Oh. See how that goes? Okay. And that's the part I have to take responsibility for. Or conversely, I may start our marriage as a securely attached person, but if you're consistently inconsistent in your availability or your accessibility, like if you're not reliable mm-hmm. to be present and engaged, like and I then then my attachment oh. style towards you may shift to become more and more anxious because of your behavior. Okay. So it's not like it's totally set from childhood. Like it still might change. Right. But I don't want to give the impression either that these are flipping day to day. Like no months or years of building or eroding, Okay, depending on which way it's going. Okay. 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 So what are these styles of attachment? Like you've talked about avoidance. Yes. So there's four styles of adult attachment. They occur on a spectrum. So it's best not to think of it like four buckets where you're all in one or all in another. Okay. So much is more of like a quadrant and each of us would fall somewhere on a scale of severity in one of these four quadrants, okay? So a secure attachment is someone who's low on avoidance and low on anxiety. People who have secure attachment, they're comfortable with intimacy. They're not worried about rejection. They're not preoccupied with the security of the relationship. They're interested. They're invested. But they don't have an underlying anxiety about the status of their connection to their spouse. They're kind of at rest with the bond. They, okay. they trust it and it's safe for them. Yeah. Avoidant or dismissive attachment. These are folks that are high on avoidance and low on anxiety. So they're uncomfortable with closeness. They place a high value on independence and freedom. They're generally not worried about their spouse's availability. Okay. So they're not, yeah. Okay. They're not too worried. They just don't want to get close. Yeah. Avoidant. Anxious or preoccupied. So these are low on avoidance. They're high on anxiety. They crave closeness and intimacy because then they feel reassured that the other person is there, is available, that they'll be okay. Okay. They're generally quite insecure about the relationship. Okay. And you can experience these in like significant friendships too. And then the last uh, type is called disorganized which is high in avoidance and high in anxiety. They're uncomfortable with intimacy, but they're also worried about their spouse's commitment and love. That would be so hard though, because like they're anxious and they want the closeness, but then they don't want the closeness. It'd be like being on a roller coaster or something. Well, yes. So the best kind of physical posture, if you can imagine yourself standing with your hand out telling someone to stop, yeah. right? And then you have your other hand forward with the, you're wagging your finger saying, come towards me. That's the disorganized attachment. It's a confusing uh, signal. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's a general overview to introduce this concept of attachment. We'll have one episode in each of these four styles. Today, we want to look at anxious attachment, okay. which was the second one that's high on anxiety and low on avoidance. People that crave closeness and intimacy better and are quite insecure generally about the relationship. Anxious. Oh, but they will get close or they want that closeness. Yeah. Okay. So they're not avoiding it. Okay. Now the key concepts for the anxious attachment style are they often draw attention to the relationship bond. So they're talking about what's happening in the bond between you and them 
frequently. Oh, okay. They may relentlessly try to repair their connection with their spouse. Their main goal is to find consistent security. And after conflict, they'll often gather positive evidence about the relationship to use as a defense against abandonment. Mm. So these are all the reasons why it's going okay and we should stay together. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. Now, if you're if you're listening and just kind of even with this short introduction, you recognize your spouse as someone who has an anxious t- attachment style, our bonus download for our Patreon supporters is just what you need. It describes how to effectively and helpfully relate to an anxiously attached spouse. If you're not already a Patreon supporter, you all can get this by becoming a patron of the marriage podcast for smart people and we'll just take a quick 60 second break here to tell you more about that what happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality too often high expectations lead to disappointment communication breaks down and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming leaving you feeling lost and without hope unfortunately marriage does not come with an instruction manual Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, You gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we summarize the attachment styles. We're just digging now into the details of what anxious attachment looks like. Mm -hmm. Now, since these attachment styles all occur on a scale or a spectrum, I'm going to go through a lot of characteristics And if you're listening, you may resonate with some of these or possibly many of them. If you find yourself that you're anxiously attached or someone you love is attached to you in that way. Mm -hmm. I'll try to start more generally and then go to more specific. An anxiously attached spouse usually does not have a lot of trust in the security of the bond between him or herself and their spouse. They might fear being abandoned or feel unappreciated by their spouse or fear over-independence on the part of their spouse. So their spouse is getting too independent. Yeah. Okay. They may have anger towards a spouse who they perceive to be insufficiently available and not responsive enough. You're never there for me. You're never around when I need you. Mm. Okay. And some statements that are common by anxiously attached spouses are statements like, I often worry that my spouse doesn't really love me. Or when my spouse is out of sight, I worry that he or she may become interested in someone else. You hear the anxiety and the bond, like they're not confident, right? Yeah, yeah. My spouse is not as consistently available as I would like. Or I frequently get angry at my spouse for ignoring me. Could be that your spouse just works too much. And is ignoring you, right. It's actually valid, but we just want to kind of pause and self-reflect here to consider this oh, other so possibility. If, the, if these are things that you are you hear yourself saying, yeah, or you hear your spouse saying, yeah. you need to like stop may, and think about this. Yes. Oh, Okay. So they may even also, at times, they put their, like, their securely attached spouse on a pedestal and overestimate their abilities while underestimating their own. Mm. Because you're so great, I'm not sure I'm worthy of you. That, that feeds the uncertainty. Okay. When entering their marriage, they, they may believe that this is their only chance for love. Like, I have to make this work because this is the only person I could possibly work with. Oh, okay. And because of this idea of like having this very highly valued spouse and a low sense of self-worth, Often, they may worry about losing their spouse and remain vigilant to signs that their spouse is pulling away from them or is losing interest in them. And that sense of insecurity motivates them to increase the 
a sense of security, right? Okay. Ironically, often resulting in behaviors that smother or otherwise drive their spouse away. So because I'm insecure, I'll act in ways that frustrate yes. you, which yes. end up you're pulling back because like, why am I freaking out? Yeah. So this is almost like the pursue withdraw thing. Yeah, it can be. Can't be. There is a pursue withdraw cycle that doesn't have a lot to do with attachment too. Oh, okay. Okay. And a person in this case may need constant or frequent reassurance and affection from their spouse. They may have trouble being alone. And because of this underlying fear of losing attention or affection, they may not take time to see matters from their spouse's point of view. So they can stumble into misunderstandings and kind of get into conflict because they're just trying to control their spouse in a way that alleviates their own fears. Mm, Okay. So for example, an, an anxiously attached spouse may text her husband or wife constantly while they're at work, asking for updates, really kind of intruding on the independence of the other person. And if that spouse then gets annoyed and pulls back, it heightens their anxiety, potentially creating conflict. Why are you ignoring me? So they don't see the impact of their own fear on their spouse, which may, like I said, even be having the effect of driving the other person away somewhat. And that confirms then, that pulling away then confirms their thought, their perceived insecurity around the attachment. Hmm. So it's it's tricky, right? Yeah. It's hard. Sorry, you must have changed something. And so when it refreshed, it went back up to the top. So I'm trying to find my place now. I'm on 28. Oh, would you like me to ask a question? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, why you're looking out the window. I'm correcting typos that I'm going through. Yeah, and every time you do that and I refresh, it takes me back to the top. Oh, that is so annoying. Yeah. Actually, it doesn't do it every time, but it did a lot okay. last time. Anyways. Well, I'll stop, maybe. So how does anxious attachment develop? Like you said, it it depends on our primary caregiver in our childhood. Yep. So how do how do I become anxious? Okay. I'm not, not asking that and like, please, can you show me how? No, and just, also we're not saying that anxiety comes from this, right? Right. But this is anxious about attachment. About the attachment, yeah. So if a child is loved by a parent, but perhaps that parent feels helpless or maybe even overwhelmed in the early months and years of that child's development, then the parent may only really get close and attentive to the child when the baby's distressed. Mm-hmm. Like when you're really having difficulty. Mm-hmm. So early on, the child learns that a high degree of internal distress produces the most attentive response from the parent. Huh. This is kind of the part, right? Yeah, yeah. So maybe as a toddler, he or she learns that tantrums are the best way to elicit undivided attention from a parent. What about like a colicky baby? Oh, do we want to go there? No, we don't. <laughs> I like totally messed up my kid. Well, well, let me keep going, okay? Okay. But when the child is not distressed, the parent is not really available. Okay. Well, let me go back to the colicky for a second. A child could be colicky for all sorts of reasons. Yeah. And the the problem is that we see someone else at church with a colicky baby and we're like, oh, we know what they're doing wrong. But it could be something entirely Okay, well, I'm thinking about me and my own kid, actually. Okay. Have I messed up my kid completely? So, well, sometimes the parent is available, then sometimes not. This is the model that's sort of developing in the mind of the child. Then the child has to develop a heightened sensitivity to the availability of their parent. Their unavailability may be seen as rejection. So the child becomes sensitive to signs of unavailability as a warning that rejection is imminent. Okay. So then if if I get any sense or any kind of feel off you, which I'm heightened towards that you might not be available, then I'm going to kind of increase neediness to just to be sure, mm, right? Okay. And you see how now this becomes like an anxious attachment style, right? This child might become clingy and dependent because there's no consistency. They're not certain. They're always having to check. In some cases, the parent has their own abandonment wounds and the child becomes someone the parent depends on to need the parent. So this is kind of a different scenario now. 
Do you want to rephrase that in English? The parent depends on. Okay, so if to the depend. parent has an abandonment wound, yeah. Right? So their model is that their 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 primary caregiver was not there for them. Yes. Then they may go towards. I'm going to do everything I can to be there for my child. Okay. Which actually gets translated or comes out like the child is someone that the parent is depending on to need the parent. So now I need. So to, I need my kid to need me to prove the fact that I'm always there, that I'm not doing what my mom did to me. Oh my dear. Okay. Okay. Is that making sense? Yeah, I think so. So the parent fosters neediness in the child in order to satiate or satiate their own hunger for being cared for. And a child in this situation is really trained to remain dependent and needy to be checking with the parent for security rather than internalizing a secure attachment. Okay. So it really validates the parent who has a wound and it, it meets that, that need of being needed, but it leaves the child dependent and anxiously attached. This is another way this could form. Okay. And it, these aren't the only okay. two ways, so but how, these are just kind of a couple examples, right? How does that make the kid anxious though? Like the well, other you, one I can see if, if they're not there all the time. You're conditioning the child to be needy towards you, to be uncertain of whether of you're there or not and uh-huh. kind of constantly demanding of you so that you have to respond. Okay. Right. Okay. So how do you change that? Okay. Like say I'm anxiously attached. How do I, how do I become more secure? In your attachment style. Yeah. Yeah. Well, remember secure attachment is the ability to feel secure about the availability, the connection of your spouse, whether you're together or apart. Okay. So like you say, like how, how do we challenge ourselves to shift to more secure attachment if our default is this anxious or sometimes called a preoccupied Mm -hmm. attachment style, right? So there's some things you can work on yourself as an individual and then some things you can work on together as a couple. On the working on yourself side, self-soothing can be a helpful practice if you're anxiously attached. So that's learning to calm and soothe yourself. It's In a way, it's just doing your own parenting. It's meeting your needs and being available to attend to yourself. So what does that actually look like? It's providing like reassurance, availability, presence for yourself that your caregivers were not able to give you so that when you're distressed, you kind of you kind of pause and you pay attention to yourself and you understand your distress and you make sense of it and you kind of calm yourself through it and find ways to take care of yourself that are healthy. Like by processing it out, finding a good friend. So by availability, it's not like, okay, Verlinda, you're available right now. It's more like proving that, I guess, like just stopping and taking the time for yourself. Yeah. Okay, Which may not be okay. your, your default reaction because if you're the dis, this distressed, you might kind of you might be a little bit of a butterfly kind of popping from one flower to the next. Mm-hmm, and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, let's actually just stop on this flower and sit here for a bit and just kind of figure out why we're hopping around so much, why I'm distressed. Okay. Okay. Right. Uh, and anxiously, and another thing like along these lines is an anxiously attached Christian. If you have a strong faith in God, you may benefit from really learning to draw on the consistent availability and presence of God as a way of self-soothing as well. Okay. Okay. It also helps in this scenario to spend time getting to know yourself, your strengths, gifts, and talents. Remember, these are people that kind of set their significant other on a pedestal and they, they kind of diminish themselves. Right. Yeah. Building confidence in yourself and accomplishing tasks and seeing yourself develop as a person, those things all foster a sense of self-worth. And that self-worth just helps you subconsciously understand that you can function well independently. And that seeing yourself function well as an independent person, that increases your sense of security. Because okay. you're not entirely dependent on someone else for your security. Oh, so you're not as anxious about yeah. them, huh? Yeah. Okay. It helps, too, to work on not jumping to conclusions, not overreacting. Uh, so this is to work on yourself, but more geared with a view to the marriage. So because fear is at the root of anxious attachment, 
And because anger is often the face of fear in marriage, Mm -hmm. it helps if you can take a step back when you find yourself overreacting. Work at at seeing things from your spouse's point of view. Try to be generous, like giving them the benefit of the doubt when interpreting their actions. Mm -hmm. And then just having faith in, in his or her goodwill before assuming the worst of them. Okay. So that can help as well. Okay. So just like mellowing out. Well, yeah, I would describe a lot of it as calming maybe. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's a good word. Okay. And soothing. Yeah. And then there's things that you can work on together as a couple. Like if you recognize this as an issue for one of you and this is something you guys are talking about, practice as an anxiously attached person, practice communicating your feelings and needs directly. Like often it'll be more automatic to try to control your spouse or to micromanage or pursue them. Like what time are you coming home for supper? What are you doing on the way home? Right? Yeah. But those actions are driven by deeper needs and feelings within yourself. But it's going to be very hard for your spouse to see past those behaviors to those deeper feelings and needs, right? Okay. So if I'm feeling uncertain or unsure, that's that's an easy, that's, as I, I often put it to couples this way, that's a more huggable part of myself than me trying to micromanage you. Yes. Right? Yes. So, so you want to show the huggable part of yourself. It's more vulnerable. But if okay. you can communicate these parts more directly, then you can circumvent behaviors that might otherwise frustrate or even drive your spouse away. Because mm, if you can communicate it and they can respond to it, you don't have to yes. micromanage. And, and they can begin to reassure. They can help you shift that attachment style too. Mm-hmm. This is where marriage can heal childhood mm-hmm. wounds, right? Okay. Not that, you know, you should hold your spouse, again, while we're talking about putting spouses on a pedestal, that you should hold them on the pedestal of being like the all healing person in your life. Right. right? So right. it is just a husband that you have or just a wife. But you can work together on things. You can work together on this, right? Yeah. And and this is also something that's great to work with a, a couples therapist on. Like a marriage therapist trained in emotionally focused couples therapy can help you reorganize your marriage attachment style so that you can relate to one another in a more secure, healing way. Huh, okay. So if you're not able or you're just struggling to figure that out on your own, there's good help available for this too. And I think when you're doing this, it's good to be patient with yourself, your spouse, and your spouse. Your attachment style is really most often instilled in you without any choice or decision on your part. It's the same with your spouse's attachment style. And despite these challenges, it's still possible to learn how to create a secure, loving bond with your spouse. The other attachment styles... There's the three that we've talked about, anxious, avoidant, disorganized. They're not permanent disabilities. Mm -hmm. It's not how we want to think of them. They can be definitely challenging, but this is also a way that you can grow together as a couple and derive incredible meaning and value from the healing powers of marriage. So just be careful to give yourself and one another a lot of compassion and a lot of patience for this process. Because mm-hmm. it can, you can shift be, attachment in adults. But it'd probably be hard work. Yeah, for sure. That's good. So that's anxious attachment. Yes. Next week we're doing... Next week we're going to talk about avoidant attachment, which is uh, we have sort of one very independent spouse. Right. Okay. Well, thank you to those of you who became patrons between this recording and our previous one. We have William and Tracy and Jamie. And I see we have an iTunes review, Caleb. Mm -hmm. From the US, five stars by CCG33012. Says, tackles tough subjects with grace and sensitivity. I've been listening to these podcasts for about a month. I am so impressed with how hard subjects are tackled with sensitivity and practicality and loads of dry humor. Caleb and Verlinda talk about things that many don't want to talk about. So grateful for these podcasts. It has given me insight and challenged me to do better. Awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. That is all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oif.link slash 251. Find out how you can help. Go to oif.support. Thanks. And we'll see you next week. 
The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.